Welcome to Practice Outside the Lines podcast. I'm your host, Heather McPherson, multi-passionate sexuality entrepreneur. Join me as we learn from the people who are working at the leading edge of sexuality. We'll listen in to how it all happened as they share all the secrets to mind-blowing success. On this episode of Practice Outside the Lines, we have Taylor Spaziani. She is my right-hand lady and does so many things for me. Uh, she is technically the clinical manager of Respark Therapy and Associates, as well as my executive assistant, and I feel like a thousand other different roles. <laughs> so Taylor, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. How did I get so lucky with you. I swear to God, I, I just like hit the jackpot. How did you find me? <laughs> oh my gosh, actually, um, what a throwback to talk about. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think I was in I was in my undergrad program, and uh, I was looking for anything that I could do with human sexuality. Um, it felt totally impossible to find anything. Um, and I was getting ready to do my internship for my program. And I just didn't want to do anything else besides work with human sexuality. So I was desperately looking all over the place. Um, and I had a teacher who taught my LGBTQ family systems class. Um, and she posted on a therapist page on Facebook for me which was so kind of her. And uh, I think you had commented back like, oh, I take interns. Um, and she just forwarded me your name. And so I reached out and I had previously seen the Sexual Health Alliance's website. So when I saw your name, everything just kind of clicked. And I was like, oh my God, this must be it. This is perfect. And uh, yeah, we met at a restaurant and ate chips and salsa. <laughs> I feel like, I think it was, was it Table Mountain in Golden, Colorado? I feel like I remember this first meeting really well. <laughs> it was exactly that. And I was so excited. I had my notebook and I took such detailed notes about everything and anything that you're involved in. <laughs> it was such a, um, it was such a great meeting. And I feel like uh, it was just like the perfect match, like the perfect fit. You know, I think it's so hard to find good people. It's something I talk about so much. It's so difficult to find people that fit and that are willing to put in the work. And um, you were just, you just showed up for all of it. So I'm, I'm so appreciative for you. Can you um, tell me about your, so you were in your undergraduate program. What program was that? And um, did you know that you wanted to go into, you know, the sexuality field even before you went into your undergraduate program? Yeah, I did. Um, it, it kind of took a lot of investigating to figure out exactly where I wanted to be. Um, so I went into, I went into undergrad as an undeclared major. Um, back in high school, I thought maybe business, but that didn't feel authentic to me. So I just went in undeclared. Um, I wanted to kind of figure out what felt good to me. So around my sophomore year in undergrad, I was still undeclared and I was like, holy crap, I kind of got to figure this out. Um, so I went to an advisor and I told her, I was like, you know, I'm really interested in human sexuality. Is there like any path for that? Or is there any 
majors that I could go into with that and she was so confused she was like um <laughs> I can imagine she just looked like, probably probably like a deer in the headlights like what is this a joke like what is going yes. on yeah she was just like um I don't know but she thought about it and she was like we do have one class called human sexuality and so she that's showed- amazing that's amazing that there was one class yes and it was like it was in this major called human development and family relations. Mm. So I looked into that. I took all the paper, the informative papers on that major. Um, and I decided to take a class within that major as one of my electives that semester. Um, I think it was like on love couples and family or something like that. And I just fell in love with the major. I was like, Oh my God, this is me. These are the conversations I want to have. This is perfect. So I declared that major in my junior year. I took the human sexuality class. And uh, I remember in that class was the first day I ever announced out loud that I want to be a sex therapist because <laughs> it was a, it was kind of scary to come out like that. Like, I think it's a coming out experience mm-hmm. because people look at you yeah. it's very strange. And I just remember getting so much support being in that class. My professor was like, wow, what? An actual <laughs> person who wants to be a sex therapist in a human sexuality class? This is so cool. So <laughs> That's amazing. You had such a positive um, yeah. experience with it. That's great. Yeah. And she, she, under, she took me under her wing to be her teaching assistant as well. So I just kind of like dived into human sexuality and uh, just started um following my path so human development and family relations to answer your question originally is the major that Mm -hmm. um I graduated with it was a bachelor of science okay yeah so did you decide that you wanted to be in this field um in high school or before or what how did you come to make this decision so I did make that decision halfway through my my bachelor's program okay okay um but I knew that I always wanted to be a therapist. And I also knew that I always loved talking about sex. I was always that kid throughout middle school and high school that freaked her friends out. Because um, I was <laughs> middle always- Middle school, huh? You were super knowledgeable yes. in middle school. <laughs> yes, I was, I was. And- you How know, did you get so knowledgeable uh, in middle school? Well, believe it or not, when I was, in the fifth grade, um, I used to play make-believe games that I was a sex therapist. Really? I, That's so cool. I had like a fake email and everything, and I would pretend <laughs> I was this professional who was a sex therapist. Oh my god, and- this is the Netflix so, so sex education. You, you were like the person they based this on. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I didn't even know it was a real occupation. I just thought it was like the coolest sounding job. So, so in I fifth would- grade, you had an email address and you played like the sex therapist is that what you're saying yes exactly. <laughs> that's amazing I played it out it was like my play like my free time that I played this, these games with my friends and uh yeah eventually like down the road I was always talking about sex with my classmates my friends always talking about pornography and just like all things sex. I had sex at a very early age myself. So I was just always open about it, always wanting to talk about it. And uh, coming into my bachelor's program, I, I, I knew I wanted to be maybe a therapist or a mental health professional. 
And when I figured out that sex therapy was a real occupation that I could pursue, everything just clicked. It was like my calling was yelling at me. Like, <laughs> this is what you have been playing all along. Like, this is your, this is your dream. This is what you role played as a child is to <laughs> help people with their sexual issues and problems and, and yes. do therapy with them. <laughs> yes, literally, exactly. It's the perfect combination. And even today, when people from middle school or high school find out that this is the career I'm pursuing, they'll message me like, oh my God, you were teaching me about sex in sixth grade. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yes, I know. It's perfect. It's perfect. So where did you primarily learn about sex so young? Elementary school, middle school, sixth grade. Where, where all did you learn it from? Pornography. Yeah. Um, so tell me about that. Yeah. I found I found porn when I was seven years old. Wow. So I discovered it and my instant reaction was not repulsed or freaked out. It was like, oh my God, this is the adult world that's hiding from me. <laughs> I was like, I like I just felt so devious, like so excited about what I had discovered and um it was just so intriguing to me. And of course I showed all my friends, um, but I studied it. I, I studied it. I would, I would look up terms that I didn't know or that I wanted to learn more mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, that's how I learned about sex. So porn which, really served as like sex ed for you in a way. It absolutely did because my school or my family did not talk to me about it. So, I mean, there's pros and cons to porn as sex education, but it, it absolutely was the my in into understanding the sexual world. Yeah, I mean, we have a mutual friend that says, you know, learning sex from porn is like learning to drive from watching Fast and the Furious. It's probably not the best way, <laughs> but there are things that you can learn from it. Um, and there is educational porn as well. Um, so did your parents know, or, or, you know, I guess years later, maybe you told them that, Hey, I was watching porn at seven. (laughs) How did they react? And what was that like? Yes. Yes. I mean, they did find out pretty quickly because I was a seven year old, um, who, who didn't quite know about privacy and keeping deleting your history or anything like that. Um, so it it was very obvious. I, I definitely got caught. Um, and my, my, mom was pretty freaked out like oh my gosh she she was so mad at me but oh no that, that never uh that never stopped me <laughs> I, <laughs> that didn't I, detour I, you you didn't develop no, any shame from that <laughs> no I didn't and I mean to be honest I found originally found it on both my dad and my grandpa's computer. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> I don't think it was necessarily <laughs> <You're>, my fault. <laughs> you're just, oh my gosh, your grandpa, what, I can't even imagine what porn your grandpa was watching. Probably the same porn as all of us, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It was, it was. I, I'll never forget that day uh, when I, <laughs> but, um, and you talk yeah. about it so nonchalantly, like, yeah, it's, you know, it's on my grandpa's computer. <laughs> like, this is different than finding Playboy magazines underneath the bed, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> it was I remember typing in like a link and it automatically went to something that was in his history oh. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a 
funny. But I mean, that way, you know, my mom couldn't really be that mad at me. Well, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's doing it. (laughs) Exactly. I used it to my advantage. (laughs) That's smart. Very smart. (laughs) So you would, so you would watch porn, but you would study it and look up all of the words and, um, and really educate yourself that way. Yeah, absolutely. I took notes. Like I had sticky notes uh, all over my like. You're like bench. a. The, it's like, this is like a sex scientist. This is like back to Kinsey, right? Like taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. I would definitely say that's exactly where I was, and be- because you know, as a child, I wasn't necessarily like, like super turned on by it. It mm-hmm. definitely, it definitely piqued my interest, but I wasn't yet at the stage of puberty where I was like wow like stimulated but but it was just more yeah research for me and I was just so intrigued and fascinated by everything that there was to know very cool so tell us about like you're in a graduate program now tell us about that program and how you chose it yeah yeah so I go to the University of Colorado Denver Um, I'm in the counseling program there in the couples and family track Um, So I applied to a few different graduate schools in Denver. I know I I knew I wanted to stay in Colorado. um, And I actually went to this school for undergrad as well. So I knew some of the professors and I really liked it. So that was one that I chose to apply to. Um, And I did get a lot, you know, some people gave me feedback that was like, no, don't go to the same school from undergrad. People don't like to see that. And so I applied to a lot of different places. But And I I went to all of their interviews as well. But one thing that really made CU stick out to me out of the others was their actual representation of cultural diversity. Mm. I think all of the counseling programs say that they're social justice based and they're culturally diverse. But when I asked other schools specifically about that, I definitely got some honest responses that were like, yeah, we say that, but we don't represent. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you can, I mean, you can just tell if you look at their faculty board, it's just a lot of older white people. And I mean, it it was just obvious to me. And if you look at um, my counseling programs faculty board, like I have still yet to see another counseling program that has that much um, diverse representation among the leading professionals in my program. That's amazing. So I really, really like it for that reason. And they do a ton of, uh, check-in work. Um, and they, they're always changing their textbooks and the things that they're feeding us, um, to better represent cultural populations. Uh, so it's, it's really good. I, that's, that's the one reason why I really preferred it over other schools. They're not just talking the talk. They're walking the walk. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. What was the grad school process like? Um, And, and, you know, as someone who's wanting to become a sex therapist too, right? Because there aren't that many programs that um, are, you know, here's the grad school for sex therapists. (laughs) And actually, you know, we actually recommend getting, um, you know, a degree in couples and therapy, couples and relational therapy, because you need those base skills as well. So yeah, tell me about that process. Yeah, so that's actually the reason why I chose the couples and family track. Um, I could have chose clinical mental health or school counseling in my program, but um, because I know you, actually, <laughs> uh, I I knew that couples and family was more related to sex therapy, mm-hmm. um, and so I chose that path, 
and I applied to the programs at other schools for that same track yeah. as well. We see a lot um, of couples in our group practice. Exactly. Yeah. And now that I'm in school, I'm realizing all the time mm-hmm. that yeah, this is definitely the track I should be in for sex therapy. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to go into grad school. You have to have letters of recommendations. You have to pay a fee to just apply at all. I think my program was a $50 fee. Um, and you have to write a bunch of essays. Um, some schools require that you take the GRE, but I thankfully found schools that did not nice. require that. So I actually kind of chose those on purpose because I hate standardized yeah, tests. I remember I had to take it for my grad school program and it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a fun thing. So I looked, I looked for ones that didn't require that. Um, even though I have this huge GRE study book and it just terrified me, mm. um, but yeah, so I, they, they review your application and if they accept your application, then you get offered to do an interview with them. Um, and the interview process was terrifying. Oh my God. It was like probably like a four to six hour day oh just doing an interview. And it was group interview. So you were there with a lot of people. You had to write an essay. You had to do like a group response to a video about racism. Um, and then we had to do a kind of a more, uh, it was a group interview, but they interviewed you individually about why you specifically want to be in this program, why you might be a good fit, and what kind of life experience you have. So I think a lot of admissions programs are actually looking more towards those kinds of qualities rather than the GPA that they see mm-hmm. uh, from your previous program. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then after that, you kind of wait and get to know if they accept you based on your interviews. So mm-hmm. if you get that far, I congratulate you because <laughs> it is a really tough process. Yeah. Um, but going into sex therapy, sex therapy specifically, you know, there are programs in the U.S. that are focused on sex therapy, but it's very rare. I would say I know like maybe one or two that that are specific in human sexuality. So uh, unless you want to travel across the country and go to a different school, you kind of have to do sex therapy certification on your own. Uh, So what I did um, before I even started graduate school was I found ASECT, which is the over the larger board that Mm -hmm. certifies sex educators, counselors and therapists. And I printed out their requirement sheet and I basically used it as a guideline for what steps I need to take in order to Smart. reach my So I knew that the first step was going to grad school and getting my degree. So that's kind of where I am now. And uh, I'm also um, enrolled in the Sexual Health Alliance's certification program. So I'm trying to do that work while I'm also in graduate school to kind of do them together and uh, then I'll have everything ready to go when I do become licensed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're so far ahead of the game. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's also just evident of how times are changing, right? I feel so old when I say that. <laughs> but I feel like um, it's so different than it was a decade ago. And it's so amazing that... Um, that people are more open and accepting of this career path and there's information of how to actually do it, you know? Um, yeah. So, so you're in the certification program. 
Um, and you know, I, I think for, for people that don't know, we have a consultant coaching program, educator, counselor, and therapist program. Um, and so people can start that while in grad school, start obtaining ASAC CEs and start building your, your case to be able to apply for ASEC certification, even though you're still in grad school. Um, and also, you know, for the sex educator, uh, certification, which can also be similar to the coach and consultant. You actually only need a bachelor's to apply for ASECT for that, um, yeah. plus field experience. So, so you're going to obviously take all your classes, get the experience, graduate, and then apply for ASECT, uh, sex therapy certification. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, also, I also have been considering, I'm really into the education piece of yeah. it as well. I love I love teaching human sexuality, not just being a therapist. So I'm really interested in the educator portion of it as well. Mm -hmm. So we'll see where I go with that. But definitely the ultimate goal is uh, to become a certified sex therapist. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I I know firsthand you're going to be an amazing sex therapist. So I can't wait to see how this path progresses. Today's episode is brought to you by Practice Outside the Lines. Have you heard of our podcast community? It's called Sexcasters, and it's a platform for sexual health providers that want to launch or grow a podcast. Sexcasters is a badass community for all sexual health professionals. So whether you're dipping your toes in or you already have hundreds of episodes, Sexcasters is for you. Join our waitlist now at practiceoutsidethelines.com. What other areas of your life um, does being in this field apply to? Oh my gosh, so much. So, I mean, to to throw it back again, you know, just from the beginning, I was always talking to my friends about sexuality. And because of that, people naturally came to me with mm-hmm. their issues all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a classmate that I didn't even talk to in my senior year of high school who reached out to me privately um, over Messenger and asked if I would, I would tell the class that they were gay before we uh, graduated. Oh wow, and, that's you know, a I big, was, yeah, that's a big conversation. Yeah, so I think people just were naturally drawn um, to talk to me about their issues because they knew that I was so open. Yeah. Um, but now, fast forward to now, that has tripled. Uh, my family members, my friends, anyone who's close to me just automatically comes to me for um, sexual advice uh, <laughs> or it just curious about anything revolving human sexuality. Um, and not only that, but just regular uh, general therapy issues as well, like anxiety, depression, sure. navigating life. So it applies to a lot. Um, but, you know, I would even argue too, on the side, I've been a waitress and bartender for a long yeah. time. Even in that respect, I talk to people all the time. And even though it's just, you know, taking their order or making them a drink, people really open up to you. And so I think that having these skills, um, obviously I don't do therapy with them at the restaurant, but uh, (laughs) I think it really helps just learning how to listen to people 
um, and also just how to be a good human. I found in the counseling <laughs> program that I learned things about everyday life mm -hmm. and just how to be a person in today's society all the time. So I'm, I'm a big social justice person and I have a lot of passion in that respect. And so uh, learning how to be a therapist does a lot for my social justice work as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, in regard to counseling, social justice has been kind of this m movement. I feel like even whenever I was in grad school over a decade ago, we had a social justice um, uh, membership group that I was a part of. And, and I see them still kind of meeting and, and, um, and having kind of an organization set up around that. How does social justice play into kind of your program and um yeah tell us more about that piece because it's so important yeah it is so important and you know going back to what i was saying about there being cultural representation mm -hmm. in my program yeah that's why that was so big for me because it's so easy for us white people to talk about these issues um without fully understanding them right. and so when i have voices around me full of representation all the time, I feel like I can deepen my sense of empathy and understanding for the issues that are going on in the world around us because I talk to people who have firsthand experienced them um, rather that. than just reading it in a book or listening to another privileged person speak about it. I love that. Nothing beats being immersed in Exactly. Um, and it all and really kind of making it a priority for your own education that's great yeah, yeah exactly they really push us to get out of our comfort zone as well and I think other programs do that too it's important for counselors mm -hmm. but uh, I think especially what's going on in the world around us right now there's so much civil unrest and it's just so important that we get um kind of an unbiased view on what's going on and just understand how our place of privilege uh, sits in all of this and how we can do our work around these kinds of things as well, both personally and professionally. Beautifully said, beautifully said. Um, so, you know, what, what advice or what can people do um, maybe if they're in high school or they're in undergrad, um, to get into this field, right? To just dip your feet in, see if it's right for you. What would you recommend to them? Yeah. So when I was in undergrad, you know, kind of what I mentioned earlier, it was really hard to find something, uh, at least in the state of Colorado, I found it really difficult to get involved, um, with anything sex therapy or human sexuality or counseling in general, just because of confidentiality mm -hmm. issues. They typically want you to be a master's student at the very least right. so that you training and um, you can be reliable for confidentiality. But, you know, I recommend doing something what I did. So yeah, you got to do your research. You got to look to find where you can get involved. And really, I just recommend volunteering wherever you possibly can. So I had the opportunity to use my volunteer work as an internship experience where I did it for hours, but I think that you can volunteer anywhere. Mm -hmm. I also, uh, you know, I volunteered at a place in Colorado called the Center on Colfax, yeah. which is for 
for LGBTQ populations and they serve all ages. So I specifically got to work with elders for a few months and I taught them uh, with the teacher, we taught them how to cook healthy meals. Um, and it was really simple, but it was really it's sweet. Amazing. And I really yeah. got to dip my feet a little bit in the water. But moving on from that, you know, I found the Sexual Health Alliance. And the Sexual Health Alliance is something that you can volunteer with no matter where you are in the country or even the world. So I recommend finding places like Shaw or um, it's something like that, that you can volunteer, attend conferences, you know, just kind of understand a little bit more about the field before actually diving deep into it. Start gaining knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. So your yeah. primary job, I mean, I feel like you have so many jobs and so many roles <laughs> with us, but um, I, I guess the bulk of your time probably is uh, the clinical manager for Respark Therapy and Associates. And so, you know, even though you were just starting out in grad school, you were able to kind of work at a, a group practice. Um, so tell me a little bit about that or tell our listeners a little bit about that because um, it was a way to dip your feet into um, group practice and therapy without actually being a therapist yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that I'm so blessed to have this opportunity um, specifically because it is with sex therapy, which is something that I've been looking for forever. Um, and it helps that I am a graduate student now to have a role like this. Right. Um, but it's it's just so amazing. You know, I tell I tell people all the time that with this job, I'm getting so much education that they don't teach us in mm -hmm. school. So they don't teach us anything in our graduate programs about the administration business side of therapy. They teach us a little bit here and there, but nothing, nothing like what you're actually going to be doing after you graduate or when you get into your internship. Um, so I'm learning a lot about that. And I also get to hear and work one-on-one -on -one with clients every day who are telling me about their presenting issues that they want to bring to therapy. So not only am I uh, getting this other side of this experience in therapy, but I'm also getting to practice my basic core skills just by listening, reflecting, understanding what the client is going through before I pass them on to uh, a therapist that's the best fit for them. Yeah. So you actually, you know, answer the phones, take in referrals, talk to the clients, figure out, you know, what they need help with, if Respark's a good fit, and then um, schedule them with a therapist. So you're the first point of contact for a lot of clients and patients that come to therapy. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, sometimes it is, it is really validating because uh, I know lots of my classmates talk about this and lots of therapists I know talk about this imposter syndrome where we feel like mm -hmm. we're, we're inadequate or we're just not prepared enough to deal with the, these things in this field, which is why it's called imposter syndrome, because we are absolutely qualified to be dealing with these things. And so some of those phone calls really give me this validation um, because some of these people want me to be their therapist <laughs> and I unfortunately can't do that Not yet. yet. <laughs> exactly. But it, it definitely gives me a sense of hope 
that I'm in the right place and that this is the right field for me. Yeah, you're you're getting the validation from clients saying, you know, actually, I like talking to you. Can you be my therapist, right? I'm sure that's probably how a lot of it goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well, soon enough, um, I guess you have your grad school program is three years long. Is that right? Yeah, and I'm I'm in the heat of my second year, so. Okay. Uh, the start of the fall of 2021, I will be starting my practicum, uh, which my school has a clinic. Not all schools do, but it's really nice because my supervisors get to watch and help me mm-hmm. uh, while I'm in session. So that's really, really supportive. And then I'll also be doing internships outside of the school um, to get my hours before I graduate. Yeah, there you know, there's some grad schools and we have interns from them too. There's some grad schools that just kind of throw they throw them into the field <laughs> without yeah. any kind of um, practicum experience. You know, I'm so lucky to to have had um, a program that has a practicum experience at the actual school where mm-hmm. there's a double-sided um, a glass window that's a mirror as well that um, that you know clients can come in and get therapy low cost or even free therapy from grad interns and in their practicum um, class and the supervisor the professor is right there kind of helping the practicum student along because I think those first few sessions that you have with the client can be really intimidating um, and yeah, and it's really wonderful to have that oversight. And I think it's actually a KCREP accredited school, right, Taylor? It is in my program, specifically my couples track also just got um, co-amp yeah accreditation as well so I will have both which is really nice right yeah exactly and I always recommend having both going to school that has both I went to school that has them too and the reason for that is because they have that oversight by these boards that say you know these are the requirements that adequately um, and best prepare students to enter this field and so this practicum experience where you have um, you have therapy practice with your professor watching there, aiding you along and helping if you get stuck. Um, and then also going over each session in detail afterwards with you. And oftentimes I know in my program, they actually recorded the sessions and we'll, we'll put them, you know, on the video and, and we'll all watch, you know, oh, clips yeah. of different sessions um, and get real time feedback from other students as well as the professor. And so that, all that stuff is so important, I feel like, for training. Absolutely. It is. There's so much learning that goes into that process um, alone that is just so, so valuable. So the KCREP is for, um, you know, the licensors vary depending on state, but it's typically for like an LPC, like a licensed professional counselor track. Um, sometimes that's called licensed mental health provider, I think, track. Um, and then the co-amp, the one that you described, um, it's for the marriage and family track. So it's the board um, that oversees those programs. Right, right. And so technically, in my program, I do have the option to pursue one or the other or both. Right. But um, my specific program track director for the couples and family track really, really prefers that we in the couples and family get the um, marriage and family therapy license. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like especially when you're going into sex therapy, having that couples and marriage 
and family training and experience is so critical. Um, I think just recently in the last couple of years, I might be wrong, but I think just recently the, the sex therapy certification through ASECT um, started requiring couples therapy training um, because I, I don't believe it had it before, but I think, think you know, we just kind of realized it's really important to have that systemic um, theory training on uh, how to work with couples and families, especially when you go into sex therapy. Because again, we see a lot of couples, and even if you're seeing an individual and you're dealing with sex therapy, some of the time it's from a relational perspective. Um, so it's really, really helpful to have the relational training and the systemic training. Yes. Yes. It's all about that, that family systems in my track. And, you know, I, I see it firsthand because I have a lot of classmates in my cohort who are in, you know, the clinical mental health or the school counseling track. And I have very specific classes on family theories and couples, um, and family techniques courses where they don't. And, uh, you know, getting that experience is so different. There's so many other theories to learn about that we don't learn generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so having that training is actually really, I'm finding it to be really, really necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a little bit longer. I, I, I know in my program, it was like a 61 hour plus um, master's program because uh, it was digital track. So it is a little bit longer, I feel like, more hours because you have that additional training because, again, you have to go on and take the board exam in marriage and family therapy um, in order to get licensed by, you know, whatever state you're in. Um, so it does take a little bit more effort, time, training, more tests, but it's so um, it's so needed. Yeah, it definitely does take more time. Um, another track in my program is a little bit shorter And I know in mine specifically, my track is all planned out. I do not have any room for electives unless I choose to take them initially. Whereas the other tracks in my program have tons of room for chosen elective courses. So, yeah, yeah. And I feel like, you know, the same whenever I was in grad school, I feel like you're kind of like, man, I really want to take that elective. This sucks, you know, Um, and have that flexibility. But trust me, stick with it. It's worth it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And if you're crazy like me, you will take an additional. (laughs) Oh, man. So you're getting even more, (laughs) more classes and courses. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I'm in an additional uh, trauma course at the moment, um, which is actually very valuable for some of oh, the work yeah. that we do Absolutely. in sex therapy as well. So I thought it was necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. If you go on to, you know, also work with the nonprofit arm of Respark Therapy, it's exactly. called Respark Foundation. It deals a lot with trauma and sexual harm. Um, and so that's so important to have that specific training as well. So again, you do so many things, you know, people can find you at, you know, www.respark.co, CO, um, you are the clinical manager. So if you're looking for therapy, you can talk to Taylor and get scheduled with one of the therapists. How else can people find you? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can, I'm listed on the pages there, um, you could probably find me on the Sexual Health Alliance's YouTube page and probably on yes. the website. You have done so many amazing interviews for Sexual Health Alliance with like the stars of the field. It's so cool to watch you um, to watch you interview them and and, you know, hear the conversations that unfold from that. Yeah, that has been such such a great experience and so valuable I love talking to all the professionals in the field 
Um, and those videos are so fun to make. So definitely check out the YouTube page um, and probably the Shaw uh, blog is it's on there as well. Um, and then I have a professional Instagram page as well called Feeling Taz, T-A-Z-Z. Love uh, it. <laughs> my handle. So you can follow me there as yes. well. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. And again, I don't know what I would do without you. Um, I'm so thankful for you. And uh, thank you for coming on and sharing a little bit about your, about your path here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Practice Outside the Lines podcast. My name is Heather McPherson, certified sex therapist, consultant, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Did you know that we have a free course on starting or growing your sexual health-focused business? Go to practiceoutsidethelines.com to get started. If you love this podcast, take the next vital step and rate and review it on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today.